You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 61. Today, I'm sitting down with Nikki Wilson, and we're talking all things Enneagram. Are you ready? Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. What's up, coach? Welcome back to another episode of the PT Profit Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with one of my really good friends, which we do talk about inside of the show. I'm sitting down with her and we're talking all about the Enneagram. Now, I'm really excited for this for this episode, particularly because y'all are going to get to know me a little bit more <laughs> now throughout this uh, show, throughout these episodes, I am fully transparent. There's nothing that I hide or hold back. And so you... It just doesn't come to the forefront of my mind until it does. So in this episode, you're going to learn a little bit about me, a little bit way more about me than you probably um, are anticipating, which is one of the reasons that why I love the Enneagram. So if you are not familiar with it, we do talk about it. And I know this is a long episode, but trust me when I tell you that this learning this tool did change my life in the sense that. I learned so much more, so much about myself, but also about my friends and about my my colleagues and about people that I work with. And it's a tool that I use to help me in my hiring process, mostly because, which Nikki will talk about, but mostly because it is just a little bit deeper than your other typical personality personality type Um insight that's out there. And so the Enneagram has been really powerful for me. And in this episode, we sit down and talk about it and talk about what the numbers are, how the, how it's going to help you in your business. And in terms of who you work with people you're hiring, or maybe you're at a job right now, and also client relations. So I'm really excited to dive into this. Now, the reason I asked Nikki specifically to come is because she was the one that introduced me into the Enneagram and her and I have just, since that moment, we have um, just really gone deep in conversations around personalities and around these numbers specifically. And her, so much so that her and I, we used to run a podcast together, Action Made Mamas. And I, and I love it. It's so feels both such a long time ago, but honestly, it was also yesterday. So we sat down with uh, your Enneagram coach and we did an Enneagram typing for me on the podcast. So that was... That was pretty um, amazing and awesome. And honestly, I've just loved the Enneagram ever since. So hopefully you're excited to get into it. Now, Nikki Wilson is the owner of Nikki Wilson. She is a fitness, also a business coach, but primarily she is a fitness coach, but specifically a body confidence coach. And she is the host of Crazy Confidence Podcast. She really inspires women to love their bodies as is, live fit and free, 
and still enjoy and use fitness as a means to enjoy life as opposed to try and make yourself smaller. So without further ado, let's go ahead and roll that interview. Nikki, oh my gosh, y'all, you're all, you guys are in for a treat because we got two besties on the show today. I'm super excited to have you, Nikki. How are you? Oh, Beverly. I don't know if they're in for a treat, something. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, a little worried it's going to go off real here. No, it's amazing. No, I, I like it. I like it. I, I mean, Beverly and I, do you, does your audience know we had a podcast together? Yeah, we've talked about it, but I'm not, not in. Yeah, we used to have a podcast together and it was so fun. Mm-hmm. So fun. I miss it. I do miss it. I do miss it too. And honestly, because of that podcast is what really inspired this episode talking all about the Enneagram. So for those of you who don't know who this amazing human is, can you share with us a little bit, Nikki, about who you are, who you serve, what you do and how you got sure. it? Okay. Well, my name is Nikki Wilson. We're on video too, right? Beth? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately for you guys. <laughs> um, it's really cold here. Like it, I live in Texas y'all and it's normally like 70 degrees and it's like a blistering 30 and I walked because I have I gotta get my 10,000 steps in before noon. That's like my we'll talk about this. This is Enneagram problems, Enneagram three problems. But um and it was like the wind was blowing at my face. Like I couldn't even put makeup on afterwards. It just oh. 30 degrees cold. That's cold for me. And it's windy. I mean, y'all, this is that's a lot for my little Texas heart. It's gonna be really cold. So anyway, if I couldn't even put on makeup, my face was frozen. So here we are. Um, but anyway, my name is Nikki Wilson. And uh, currently, I, I would call myself a body image coach. Um, I, my trade, my training, my college degrees are in social work. Um, so I say, like, I'm not a practicing social worker, but I feel like so much of what I do is a lot of social work. <laughs> it's a lot of um, identifying people's problems or problem areas, um, like issues in their life they want to do better, and then making a plan for them, helping them make a plan, helping them execute it. I mean, I was a trainer, am a trainer still. Um, I kind of took a break from the fitness industry for a while, you guys, and I'm, Beverly can attest, I'm I'm back on the fitness train. Um, Most of my clientele, this will be helpful for your audience, is uh, you know, moms who are late thirties, forties, who really struggle with body image, you know, who struggle to just have that acceptance piece of, yeah, you're not, you know, 130 pounds anymore, but you can still be healthy, still, you know, pursue health without pursuing weight loss as the end goal. And for a while, I think I was really struggling. I think when I met Beverly, actually, how many years ago, that five Five years ago, four, five. It's only three, girl. Three. I know. Hyperspace time right now in the in the era of COVID. Yeah, the interviews um, are crazy. Yeah. So three years ago, I think I was kind of in this really weird juxtaposition where I w- I was afraid that fitness was harming people's body image and acceptance with their body and their relationship with their body. Um, so I just kind of pumped the brakes a little bit, but y'all, I think I'm, I'm now 
leaning into my fitness love and passion and never went away for me. I just wanted to step back and, and examine the body acceptance, body confidence piece on its own and heal people's relationship with their bodies. But I think I'm really honestly with this virus, I don't even know if we say it because it'll flag it all and we'll get like links to a hundred different things. So we'll just say the virus. Um, I think it's really pushed me back into, you know what? Here's the deal, you guys, we get one chance. We get one vessel, we get one body and you really have to take care of your house, you know? And, and so I, I just love that, you know, so much of what I do is, is showing people that the journey to anything, whether it's health or business, anything, it's so not linear. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and so that's kind of the beauty of this, where I just kind of allowed myself to take a break and now I'm back in. So anyway, you know, I, I do a lot of things digitally. I have um, some DIY fitness programs. Um, I had a body confidence um, membership for a while. And so I'm really leaning back into creating programming strength programs for women currently. I love it. And I'm a mom and um you know, we're in quarantine, right? Or my son is in quarantine. So we're sharing a computer and, um, Just yeah, and Beverly, so we're talking about the Enneagram today. I'm sure Bev will kind of usher us into this, but before the virus, we, um, I was getting certified. I mean, I'm like this close you guys to being a certified. Did you know that? Bev? Did you know? I secretly did it because I just turned 40. I'm about to be 41, but I, I kind of had this like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be 40. Like I'm going to do all these things. And then the virus hit and it was like, I was thrust back into like, oh my gosh, I'm homeschooling my kids. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> like I don't even know what life is. So I had a really weird, I've had a really weird year to be honest with you. So, but, but the Enneagram um, is something that's just like, always on my mind, always in the back of my mind as a tool to, to work on myself and work on relationships with people. You're almost a coach. You're a certified program yeah. coach. Yes. This close. This like this close. Amazing. Are you going to finish that this year? Yeah. I need to finish it. Like I could finish it like this week if I, <laughs> Oh, well, I'm really excited about talking to talk about the Enneagram today, because the truth of the matter is that it honestly changed my life. And I didn't get introduced into it until I met Nikki and it changed my life. And for many reasons, because number one, it really helped me understand myself and how I respond to things. And I could really look, you know, look outside of myself to be like, this is, I'm responding this way because this is why. And I just had a, like a base of, like I had a context where I could go back and kind of look outside of myself about what's happening. And not only did it do that for me, but it also helped my relationships with other people. And it improved my relationship with my friends because I could really understand where they were coming from based on a lot of the info that we talk about in this episode. And honestly, I looked, like I should keep looking because what was amazing is that Nikki was the one that introduced it to me. And then we did on our podcast, we did a live, like what's Bev's number. And it was so interesting because for the longest time I was like, I'm every number. 
And then when I realized what number I really was, it was like, of course, I know other number except this. Well, and Deb, you need to um, link that episode. Like link that one with, with Beth to your show notes. I don't think it exists anymore. No, it does. Oh, it does? Okay, well then, yeah, I will, because it was a really- Yeah, I'll send it to you. It, it exists. So- well, It's so helpful, and, and, and it's so meaty. Yeah, it was meaty, but you're going to give them this insight a little bit. My hope is, is because not only did the Enneagram change my life, but listen, it's really helped my relationships with my clients. Mm-hmm. It's really helped my relationship. It helped me find an assistant and find someone and grow my team based yeah. on- the number, like you, yeah. <laughs> I, I love them. But I asked him, I was like, I need you to come with all these personality tests because I need to know who you are. I know. <laughs> somebody actually like, I, I had put this and then we'll get into it because people are probably like, what are you even talking about? But I had put a couple of years ago and I was looking for an assistant. Like I only want da, 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 these three numbers. And someone was like, kind of mad. Like <laughs> I am... And they're discriminating. I'm like, is there Enneagram number discrimination? I don't know. <laughs> of course, we live in such a sensitive world. Um, I'm sure I'll get in trouble for this down the road. But I need you to know this personality and this work, this work will not work with any other numbers. Um, because I know myself so well. So anyway, it was really funny. But so for your listeners, just the Enneagram is an ancient ancient, like they don't really know the exact origins of where it came from, but um, a lot of monks used to use the Enneagram and um, the re- the Enneagram is basically essentially, it's nine different numbers, one through nine. Okay. And there's three different triads with the numbers and I'll kind of touch on it a little bit, but you guys are going to want to go do more information. And I'm sure Beverly will link this, but um, to your Enneagram coach, your Enneagram coach.com where you can take the assessment if you're not sure and get all this good info um, as we touch on it here. Um, but basically the Enneagram will label you as a one, two, three, like you identify as a one, you identify as a two, three, et cetera, up to nine. Um, and the difference between the Enneagram and personality tests, um, I love, this is where I think it really gets good because it deals with your core motivations instead of your personality and persona and like, you know, just maybe some of the things that you're just more prone to. Like, I think Beverly and I on the Myers-Briggs, are we both ENFJ? Well, I have a funny story, side story about that. But yes, I identified as an ENFJ for a long time. But when I got typed, I got typed by Alex uh-huh. and said I'm an ESFP. ESFP. Okay. Well, either way, when we were both thinking we we're both ENFJs, um, yeah. it was, it's kind of laughable because Beverly and I have a lot of the same characteristics, but like on a very surface level, I can see it. But like when we would start talking, I would just be dying laughing. Like there's no way we're the same Myers-Briggs, but it's really because that's a very like overall generalized personality test where this really deals deals with core motivations, childhood wounds, um, 
how you perceive time, future, present, or past stances. It gets kind of in-depth and complicated. Um, but, uh, you know, so when you kind of look at it from, from those perspectives, you're like, okay, well, this totally makes sense how Beverly and I could be a very similar Myers-Briggs, but a totally different Enneagram number <laughs> as we just have like such different core motivations. So. You know, for me, like when I look at the personality test, you take a personality test and they kind of determine it based on the choice and the Enneagram looks at the why you made the choice. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, we, like, you know, and we'll get into it, but just even for example, um, I think, you know, Beth from your Enneagram coach talked to Bev and I, and she was like, if somebody said, hey, I'm coming over really quick to bring this whatever it is to you. And you, you're like, oh my gosh, somebody's coming over and you put on your glasses. We each wear our different color glasses with a lens of why do we feel the need to like clean up house before this person comes over, you know, and each number will have a different reason why the house needs to be tidy before a visitor comes over. Does that make sense? Um, so it's interesting in, in the really small things, but also in the bigger things too. So I love it. Okay. And what's also interesting for when I talk to someone who's new and honestly, me too, when I was first learning about the Enneagram there, there, you start to look at all like the bad things or the negative things, because when you start to like, look at the core motivators, it's easy to get into like, Oh, I'm the bad number. I didn't want to be a six. Well, everybody thinks they're the bad number. And I think that's important for your audience to hear. Like if you start to dig into this, which I highly recommend that you do, um, the bad things are going to jump out at you first because it's going to call your name. You know what I mean? It's kind of going to call out your, your BS and you're like, oh, I kind of do do that. And each number has a healthy healthy place that they live in a moderately healthy place and then like an unhealth that they live in and that's kind of the the characteristics that you dwell in that are negative and unhealthy but the other thing I love about the Enneagram as opposed to other personality tests is you can climb up and out from an unhealthy place where you have all these bad characteristics into the healthier place where you're just really operating out of your best self and your best strengths so it, it's, it's not like a doom and gloom, like you're like, you look at every number and you're like, oh my God, you know, but it's like, okay. But also on the flip side of that, a six has so many great qualities that I know I can work on and, you know, and be a better friend, be a better wife, be a better coach. And you don't have to live in the doom and gloom of it. I love it. So can you break down? So you started to tell us about the triads, but can we go into the actual numbers and, and then the triads? Sure. And again, you'll want to assess yourself and kind of, you know, dig into a little more than just what we're talking about here, because um, I actually mistyped myself for like a year <laughs> before I really like listened to some really great teachings. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm actually an Enneagram three. What did you think you were? I thought I was an Enneagram two. And we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Okay. So one is um, the perfectionist. Um, the moral perfectionist. So ones are people who um, really value being right, being good, um, being righteous. They're not a lot of like, they're kind of do-gooders. And um, 
on the bad side of one, they have um, an inner critic that just constantly is in their ear telling them what they could have done better, what they should have done, how bad they are, or, you know, if you would have just studied harder, done better, you know, given this client more attention, whatever it is, it's that it's an, a literal like voice in their head that never goes away and just tells them all the ways that they're wrong. Hmm. And I've never really talked to a one who's like, my inner critic is nice. It's more like once they figure out that they're a one, they start to like block out that inner critic. Mm -hmm. um, but ones are what they call the gut triad. So a lot of your response, it's not, it's not necessarily emotions or a logical thought, but it comes from just knowing, you, you know, you know, you know, it's that gut response. Like this is right. I know it's right. I'm going forth and doing it. So they have that really like fire in their gut, um, which could honestly make them struggle sometimes with anger mm. and bitterness and resentment mm. because a lot of things one struggle with is, and a lot of people mistype as one, because I think people get on our nerves as every number. You know what I mean, we're like, you're on my nerves. You're not doing things right. But, you know, the ones kind of can't let it go. And I've heard my one friends tell me before that they feel like they're the captain of the ship mm -hmm. and it's, or, or the general of the army. And if they're not on directing and like doing all the things, then everybody else will fall down on their duties and not perform and nothing will get done or they'll die. You know, whatever it is, it's like ones are very, um, they just have that, that work ethic that I'm going to get it done and I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it hundred percent. And if you're going to count on me or else the inner critic is just going to come in and, and berate them, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a one. And I mean, we could talk about every number for like three hours, but we won't. Um, <laughs> I'll move, I'll move on to a two. A two is the helper. So twos are um, very empathetic. They're very compassionate. That's what I thought I was. A lot of people in the health um, profession where you're helping people, you know, meet goals and um, teaching people and just a lot of people will mistype themselves as a two. Um, twos are very, um, they're not an aggressive stance but they're very um, aggressive in offering help. Mm -hmm. And I always say, you know, you're a two. This is how I just think it's a, it's a telltale to me. Um, a two knows instinctively what to do when somebody is suffering, somebody is in trouble, um, somebody needs help. They are the first responders in, uh, in the world of, of Enneagram. They, are, they just know what to do. It's the, you know, if, if you have a loss in your family, twos are the first people texting you. Can I bring you a meal? Can I pick up your kids from school? Can I take care of getting your house cleaned for you? They're very like aggressive and they're just aggressive in their help. And they just know instinctively, like, this is what people need right now. They know what you need before you even know sometimes what you need. Um, and sometimes that's very welcome. And sometimes it's not so welcome, <laughs> you know, and somebody's telling you exactly what you need and you, you really don't like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, uh, so twos also in a really bad place can manipulate people for love, for a love response. 
Um, they can overextend their help and forget about their own needs. That is a very telltale sign of a two is just giving, giving, giving and expecting love in return, kind of low key. And then when they don't get it in return, they become very upset and um, kind of lash out or withhold love um, or just a general woe is me kind of attitude, which nobody likes to hear. Again, those are kind of the bad things, but twos are just incredible, incredible helpers. Mm -hmm. um, they're in the feeling triad. So they are going to be acting upon feelings rather than logic or the gut response. They, um, twos tend to value relationships more than any other number. And they will like put themselves in a tailspin of like, I call it vain imagination, where they just create all these scenarios with people in their head that really aren't true. Nobody ever said that, you know, but they're so relationally wound up that oftentimes it prevents them from taking action. They are in, um, they have a very hard time taking action in life. Mm. And ones do too. They, they are often have a hard time taking action because it's not good enough yet. It's not right. Mm. You know? So they, they kind of spin their wheels or stay on that hamster wheel. And a two has a hard time making decisions because they're constantly thinking about how relationally this is going to matter. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Moving on to three. This is my area of expertise because I am a three and those are the achievers and probably a lot of people probably even your listeners bev or the people you coach can identify or mistype as a three right because we kind of thought you were maybe a three eight. we thought we were i was a three then we thought maybe i was an eight and i thought you were an eight personally you're you have the most aggressive kind of personality in my opinion <laughs> She says it in love. I know, I know. In total love. I was like, dang, this girl, <laughs> she aggressive. I, she's an eight. That was in my head. And you're never supposed to label people. That's like a cardinal sin of Enneagram. You don't want to label people. Um, that's never good. You want them to come to it on their own. But I had Beverly explore it a little bit until we actually decided um something else but we'll talk about that in a minute but a three is an achiever and the thing about threes they are in the feeling triad but they're feeling suppressed so instead of operating on feelings what they do is they shove their feelings down and they shove and shove and shove and the three will be a chameleon to any situation they can kind of squeeze in. They're usually very gregarious, very charming, <laughs> uh, but they, they kind of can just get along any situation and morph and mold. And the, 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 the thing that comes with that, that that is bad is that you often don't really know yourself. You don't really know what you like. Um, you don't really know who you are <laughs> because you can just go into every area of life and fake it till you make it. And you usually make it, but you're fake when you get there. You haven't done any work. So you just arrive because people really look to threes. They tend to be very outgoing. They tend to be very um, motivating. There are a lot of motivational speakers, um, a lot of coaches, um, 
just very gregarious, helpful people who are like your biggest cheerleader and they kind of just get things done. And one of the, the struggles, even for me, like I was just telling you guys, like I had to take a step back and like kind of figure out what's my path. What am I feeling used to? I would just dive into the next thing because I knew I could. I, I honestly, I've told Beverly this before. I've never really like done anything where I haven't succeeded in. And when I don't succeed, I drop out immediately. When I start to feel that pain and that those suppressed feelings start coming up, I drop out. And Beverly's experienced that with me in several different ways. We kind of laugh about it because I don't like to be vulnerable. I don't like to seem vulnerable. Um, I like to look even though I don't have mom makeup today. See, I'm just a healthy three. I'm working on myself. I, I, I don't like to look in like I'm not put together. Like I don't have it all together. And when somebody calls my number, they know it really like bothers the three. They don't like to be called out and be vulnerable and be, they really fear failure and they really don't like vulnerability. So you say that because for me, like I, when I know someone's a three, I'm, I'm very, to me, I feel like threes are magnetized. Like they're, I'm very, like, they're so magnetic because of their, their, mm -hmm. their energy, because of their, their energy in terms of their like extrovertedness, but because they have that chameleon side, I feel like they can really connect with you really quickly. Yes. For me, I am drawn yeah. to this. Like I could find the three in the room and I will stand next to. Yes. And they're very aggressive stance. So threes are future oriented, aggressive stance. So it's one of those things they're, they're going to come out and they're going to tell you exactly what they feel, but it may not be exactly what they feel. They're going to tell you to win you over. They're just charmers. I mean, they really are charmers. And so a lot of times in a work situation, um, you might be like, oh my God, this person's too good to be true. And then when push comes to shove for the three, or they realize like, oh my God, I know I told them that I was really good at this or I was versed in it. I kind of wasn't. And then they kind of ghost you. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's they that's, that's yeah. an issue with the three. You know, they'll ghost you to kind of self-preserve themselves. Like, hey, I'm out, you know, I'm just going to duck under here and buy. And, and, you know, that could be a potential work issue with the three. Yeah, for, you know, an employee and or a client. Like if you're- yeah with the client and all of a sudden they're not adhering or maybe you're, you know, they're never going to tell you that this is too hard. Your threes are not going to be your complainers. Your threes are going to be the people that are like, oh yeah, this is great. And then don't call you back. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll be like so confused because you had the best phone conversation. <laughs> I mean, I walk away. I have to really watch myself. I've, I've learned so much about myself bless my heart. Just like everybody thinks they're my best friend. Mm -hmm. They talk to me. And then like months later, it, they'll be like weirdness. And I'm like, Oh, what's going on? And you know, people will be like, well, I kind of thought we were on this level. And I'm like, Oh, I'm on the level with everybody. <laughs> Just my conversations are free. And my personality, I think it's so warm and welcoming, but I can also no, Beverly knows I have really high or low outer walls, but really high inner walls. But that's very confusing to people, I think, for the three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a three will connect with you and you'll be like, oh my gosh, this is my best friend. And yeah. the, but but they're best friends with everyone. Yes. And then they're kind of like, well, that hurts my feelings. I'm like, oh, well, I 
<laughs> I kind of only have three friends, actually, when it comes down to it. You know what I mean? Like I only have three people that I share my real self because threes tend to feel very unsafe being who they are. They really struggle because they feel like people need them and they need them to be this persona. And when they fail or they let people down, that's like the worst thing for them. Failure, um, is like the worst thing for them. So um, that's a big struggle. And of course, when I found out I was a three, I was doing a long road trip by myself and listening to this amazing teaching by Suzanne Stabile. And one of the things she said was threes have to have an automobile or a car that is like no one else. And I was like, yes, that's me. What an a-hole. Like, that's so superficial, but I hate it when people have the same car as me. Like it really bugs me. Um, so I was like crying. That's so superficial, but I was like, we have to be unique. We're very aesthetic. We like our aesthetics. We like to look good. Um, you know, for those of y'all listening, like who are fitness professionals or trainers, um, like threes will be some of your best clients because they like to look good and do the right thing and then be the perfect one, be the top scorer. And, um, they're very high achievers. Mm -hmm. So I was crying over the very, they're very materialistic workaholics. That's the bad part of threes. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay. Our fours, tell us. All right. Fours. These are the artists. These are the authenticity people. They really, they're also in the feeling triad and fours are the most feeling number. Fours feel as though they are so unique, they can never fit in. And that grieves them. They are the people who love to feel their emotions. And when people like me try to fix an emotion, it really makes the four upset. <laughs> they like to feel the range. They have the widest range of emotions and they want to feel them. So if they're angry, they really want to stay in the anger. If they're sad and feeling like they need to listen to really sad music and cry and lament, they enjoy it. I don't think they would say in the moment, I'm really enjoying like thinking about my past breakups. Thank you. Um, but they really are into feeling all the feels and letting them be that way. Um, because of this, they also have a really hard time taking action because every step of the way a four feels as though they might come across as inauthentic or even worse, be inauthentic and fall into some trap that doesn't allow them to really be them and be themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you do find a lot of um, addiction, depression in fours because of the kind of the lonesome emotional nature. Um, at their best though, oh my gosh, they're the creators. They're the artists. They're the musicians who are constantly creating new things and new experiences and wanting you to go out and experience life, experience something new, um, value yourself, um, you know, value the space that doesn't get used within. Like they are the best at like drawing you out of naturally who you are and wanting you to be that authentic self. So um, fours, you know, tend to kind of hole up sometimes. They might seem very introverted. 
um, emotional, but very creative, artistic in nature. So we love the force for that reason, because I mean, they're, they're just that, like, let's see the beauty in everything and everyone. So we love our pores for that reason. Love it. Yeah. Okay. We're ready for five. Yeah. Let's go. The investigators, the five, the investigators. So fives are going to be on the Enneagram one through nine. Fives are going to be the most reserved, the most seemingly introverted. Now there can be extroverted fives. For sure. For sure. They just tend to be um, more drawn in, more withdrawn, and they love to research things. They love to know everything there is to know about anything they want to know about. And you know those people, right? Just like the investigators, they love to have information. They hold information as power, um, as like the highest knowledge and they kind of like to kind of have that over other people fives get very very exhausted by too much interactions with people they are very easily easily drained um but i think the good thing in a five operating in their best in their highest health is a, a really great friend who just they're just the people like they're going to shoot you straight and they know what they know and they're going to help you um however it is that you need and they're not going to be like this weird like I don't know there's not going to be a weird exchange of energy it just is going to be like okay this is like what I'm going to do for you and this is what I need you to do for me and I need you to not to like remain out of my space for too long so I, I love fives because I feel like you kind of get what you get and they're not trying to bring any emotion into it. It's a very logical fives are in the head triad. So they use a lot of analytics and logic. Um, now this causes them a lot of times also to have a hard time taking action and doing because they're constantly researching. If I just do this one, if I just find them a little bit more, I'll be the expert. If I just, you know, just read about it more, find out a little bit more about it and just know the most then I will take action. Well, guess what? Sometimes you can never know everything about everything. So that kind of hinders you, right? So that's a lot of times what you're dealing with with fives. Okay, the six. You want to talk about the six? The loyalist. Six, the loyalist. Well, there's two types of sixes. Yes, there are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm the six. I'm the counterphobic six. So, so there's phobic sixes which Beverly is not a phobic six. Like actually when you talk about a six as a phobic, you're kind of like, oh, that just doesn't make sense. And then when you talk about the counterphobic six, you're like, okay, that's totally Beverly. To the T. Yes, most people identify as a phobic six. So a phobic six, they are constantly looking out the horizon and seeing everything that can go wrong. <laughs> See, it feels very negative, but they're just seeing like, okay, if A plus B equals C, I need to do this. And then they have like the scenario for every scenario, the, the backup scenario for every scenario, right? Um, sixes use what they call the inner committee. So they're caught, Beverly's laughing only because how many conversations have we had 
I'm like, are you talking to me? Or are you talking to your inner committee? And it's, she's always talking to her inner committee. She uses my text messages. She texts me as like the soundboard as her inner committee. Does that make sense? And I'm just psychologically here for it. Like, oh, Bev's actually talking to her inner committee. I'm going to let her do that on my text. I mean, it's like, it's amazing. But the inner committee. So they're constantly seeing, well, this, if I do this, this will happen. This might happen. This might happen. It's like their mind can't get unboggled with different scenarios. So imagine it's really hard for them to land. It's not that they don't take action. It's just really hard for them to land because they're so fearful that they'll land in the wrong place. Yeah. and then it'll be catastrophic if, if they make the wrong decision and you're kind of like sometimes just like well if you make the wrong decision like what's the worst that can happen and that's actually really helpful for a six um phobic sixes tend to be the loyalists they are they tend to be people who you know are, they're just the 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 model citizens like they're going to go to the fourth of july parade and honor um, our veterans because that's the right thing to do because they have served our country. You know, they're going to serve on the PTA because that's the right thing to do because the teachers do so much for the children. Um, they are going to go to the same hairstylist for years because that is the right thing to do is to employ this person and not give them any you know, shaky grounds or reason to think anything of you. And I think Beverly would attest to a lot of times you're loyal just to feel the love, right? Like we kind of like they're loyalist in order to get something. Yeah. You know, um, and that literally only came out just from this podcast that came a couple weeks ago, but like I, so the six, one of the reasons why I did not identify with the six was for two main reasons is that fear is their ultimate, you know, is their course and, you know, mm -hmm. is there, is the thing that keeps, you know, holds them back. But the other thing about a six is that they tend to not be the, the, they're not your CEO. They're not the person that's like stand front and center. They're the, they're the, they're the great employee. Yeah, they're the great employee. They are your A player Bs, meaning that you are like the, as the visionary, you're like, I want this. Your six is going to be like, I'm going to make that happen for you. And you're not even going to have to guess. Yeah. Or even if you treat me like dirt in the workplace, like I'm still going to show up yes. for the next 35 years and like serve you well. Mm -hmm. Yes. They are. You know, and so, you know, we do get into sixes a little bit of like, uh, maybe they put up with a little too much cramp from people uh, and they need to learn to like stand their ground. There's another part of a six though. This is where Beverly comes in where there's the counterphobic six where they actually have the fear and see the fear and they see the scenarios lined up and the catastrophic possibilities, but they go so aggressively head first into those things that they come across as like incredibly aggressive and in charge because they have decided instead of being fearful and running and hiding and like a, just abiding in that they're going to do the opposite and like just beat it to a pulp, you know, and like get through it and 
put their head down and just go, go, go. And so they really kind of become like Beverly is saying, like the CEO, um, the people who jump out of airplanes, <laughs> like just the people that are like so aggressively like in your face sometimes they almost seem like an eight, which, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I, I really see that in Beverly so much. Like one thing I really love about Beverly that I see six is like a pattern of like ex, like expected behavior. And um and they don't, they're they're actually very like um they they're drawing a lot on the past. And so she reads the same books over and over. I do, it's true. And she watches the same dang movies over and over. I'm always like, have you seen? I love movies. I'm a movie connoisseur. And we, I'm like, how are we friends just on that fact alone? Because you are watching, um, what, what is it? The vampire movie? Twilight. I watch like Twilight. Twilight every week. <laughs> and that's it. It's like, that's, I'm watching Twilight again. I'm watching Beauty and the Beast. I'm like, okay, this but it's predictability and when her mind needs to be taken off of the catastrophic possibilities she goes to the comfort of the 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 comfort of the norm and the the feelings of like familiarity which are really big I think for a six it was and so this is why you know be knowing my number was so powerful because here are the examples right is that you know I, i'll never forget i called nikki and said wait because my husband's a nine and we'll get to that but i was like wait your mind goes blank and nikki was like yeah and i was my mind never goes blank i mean it's i really worked yes. but i can it cannot go blank and so for me i and i'm extroverted so i am very you know process on the outside. I'm always talking and I'm literally, for me, you know, it's comforting to work through worst case scenarios. So I will feel the fear and do it anyway, as long as I'm like, oh, okay, you know, you know, yes, scenario, I still need to know what those are and just make the decision to do it anyway. And what's interesting too, you know, and, and you know, I, it's easy for me to say that now, but when I didn't know that that's what was happening, I was just spending hours of time on this, like, thought loop. Totally. And, and you, you know, and I was, I'll say things, you know, you can, I can usually get little like verbal cues from people. Cause they'll usually say things like, I think, I think, or I feel, I feel my gut says mm -hmm. like, Oh, okay. I kind of, I know where you're living, even if you don't know where you're living. So I was like <laughs> constantly in this trap in this thought loop. Cause the six is ahead number but it's just been so easy it's been you know now that I know it I'm like oh, okay I need I know I need to make fear my friend and for my people here you guys know that fear is you know brain-based it lives in the lizard the lizard part of our brain and everyone's gonna get fear when we're making changes that is true but this is fear like to a different level this is fear like you know literally like I'll call Nikki and be like hey um, you know, how do I make sure my daughters don't get sucked into like human trafficking? <laughs> I'm not laughing. It's just, I'm laughing like on a friend level. It's so true. She'll be like, oh, if they watch this cartoon, are there sex traffickers undercover? I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> how did you draw that conclusion? I go, my husband went, had to go into my Facebook and like delete all these things because I was yeah. 
be going down these like dark spirals of like, I mean, I walked by, you know, when I was in my postpartum experience and flood of home, you know, flood of hormones, I was walking on eighth street in New York and I saw somebody doing drugs and I just like bald. I called my husband and was like, my children are going to be drug addicts. How do we prevent it? Well, they're going to be homeless. What catastrophic. Are- it's just like the catastrophic fears live there. Yes. And, you know, and six is really one of the best pieces of advice. I think Susan Stabile, who's like the grandmother of the Enneagram um, said, one of the best things sixes can do for themselves when they get worked up. And everybody knows the six, by the way, because they're very, it's a highly populated especially now you guys when we're in the virus lockdown, like you'll identify six very easily because they are the ones who are not okay. <laughs> They're the ones who are having anxiety and loneliness and like catastrophic things. And one of the things Suzanne Stabile says, the best thing a six can do is write out all the things you're like having anxiety about and fearful of and like give them a piece of your mind, just write them all out frantically and then keep it for a week, like post it up somewhere and then revisit it every day. Did this happen? Did yeah. This happen? I mean, Beverly's going to hang up a poster that says my kids are homeless drug addicts, sex trafficked. And she's going to be like, no, that didn't happen. You know, it's just like to see your fear written out and like deal with it. Like is okay. Like are these very small things happening every day? No, like they end up not happening. So and when they do, and when they do, guess what happens? You typically move on and like find the way around. So I have just a lot of tenderness in my heart for my sixes because um, that fear thing is a real thing. Fear and anxiety are a really real thing. I mean, literally just the other day we were sitting in, on, in Cheesecake Factory with the kids and I just started bawling at the table and my husband was like, what's wrong? And I was like, the trailer for the vow on the nexum and i was like and how am i gonna this is like a legit i'm not even exaggerating he just looks over and i'm crying and he he's like what are you crying about and i was like the vow and our children and you like i mean he literally has to talk me off the ledge of like like beverly there are over 400 murders in new york a year okay and there's 38 precincts dedicated or precincts dedicated to it and there's one dedicated to this okay he literally has to like really like get me off the ledge because one thing I really do like about sixes though I feel like um because they're in the head triad logic and like statistics and facts actually can combat a lot of that whereas like for me I'm a feeling triad and like my husband will come at me with like statistics and facts and and I'm just like, don't want to hear it. Just want to be sad. You know, just want to live in my anxiety for a minute. But like, I feel like a six really like it clicks for them. It does. This is why I teach systems and processes. I get so excited. I'm like, just do this. And then it's right. So it's like, it's just awesome. I could talk about this. I know we can talk about sixes all day, but let me move on to seven. Sevens are the enthusiasts, which my husband says, hey, that's the best number. Um, sevens operate, they're in the head triad, okay? Um, and they're very, very on top of that feeling suppressive. And on top of that, they operate in a very small spectrum of emotions. And it's usually happy to very happy. They don't like to experience any pain emotionally. They don't like to experience emotional pain. They are enthusiasts. They are very big visionaries. 
They get you on board. They have the big visions, the exciting visions. They're the ones who are the most fun to go on vacation with. They tend to not have any anxiety. So I think sixes really enjoy sevens because to just hang out with them, they don't have a lot of anxiety. They just kind of bowl forth. They're very future oriented. They're in an aggressive stance. So your fun friends who never seem to have a care in the world, um, who always have the good ideas, those are sevens. And they really don't, they, they aren't trying to be snarky or, you know, give you little platitudes of encouragement. They really like, here's their operating is happy to really happy, ecstatic, and they don't go into that range of like, they don't feel sadness and horror and fear and anxiety. They just don't have the capacity. They literally like don't experience that. So, you know, it has sevens in health, great visionaries, great enthusiasts. Um, they get people, they bring people together so well and work. They, I think they're really great team members or great leaders of teams, as long as they have some some people beside them, alongside them to kind of fill in the little blanks. They're not great um, detail people. <laughs> I live with one, not great detail people, um, but cast the big vision and just really want to bring you alongside. Um, in work, sevens tend to cast the big vision, go for it, and then they get bored and burnt out in the little details. Um, so you really have to watch your sevens there. Um, when they start to experience the negative emotions, they really don't like it. They really don't know what to do with it. So a lot of times sevens are also addicts because to take away the feeling, mm -hmm. they have to replace it with something that gives you euphoria and the good things. So when a lot of times you got to check in on your sevens when something's sad, because they're trying to like mask it with other, like pile really fun, good stuff on top. It's really interesting to watch a seven in like moral duress or not moral in um, emotional duress. Like they don't like it at all. Um, so, so those are your sevens. What'd you say? They must be suffering right now. Oh like yeah. Check on your sevens. They're not okay. Like most of them, they can be introverts, but they're not. Um, mainly they're extroverts and they want, they value company and people so much. Um, so no, those are your sevens, the enthusiasts. Um, we'll go real quick through eight and nine. That way, Bev, you can ask questions regarding anything you want to, because then it's going to go long. I know. Um, okay. Eights. These are the most aggressive number. Okay. Eights are the boss. They, they're the challengers is what they're called. And they are, I like to think of an eight, just like they can be teddy bears. Like they're, they can be aggressive, but at the end of the day, they have a tender heart. They're in the gut triad. So they're just going to go full force and run over you and not look back. A lot of times, a lot of great CEOs are eights. Um, <clears throat> they have a hard time with people who don't appreciate confrontation. So if you're dealing with an eight, they want you to give them pushback. They want to like hash it out with you right then. They kind of think it's fun even <laughs> like, and another number might be sitting there like, oh my gosh, like they're out to get me, but they're just really like, Griffin, you know, they're just like, Hey, like 
I'm going to challenge you in your beliefs. I'm going to challenge pretty much everything you do. So eights are the most dominant number. They can be the most intimidating number. Um, female eights get the worst rap, in, in my opinion. Um, I think they are usually like what people think are the B word. Uh, just nasty. Mean speed. Yeah, just they're, they know what they want and they're not really going to take any anything else but what they want and they're going to go straight into it. Yeah. So the thing with the aid and the reason why I feel like they get and females specifically is because they won't, they don't, they listen to their gut and then they make a decision and then they're, oh, that's it. That's it. You can't triad. They're very future. They're in the future stance and they're in the aggressive stance. So it's like, boom, all the things. Plus they have that personality. That's just no BS. (laughs) And you get what you get with them. And that that is like the most appreciative thing of an eight is you get what you get. Like you, you don't have to guess. You don't have to second guess. They're just like, you know where you stand with them. And, and for the record, you know, the reason why I feel like they get, because I know a lot of eights. And listen, I thought I was an eight for a while. But not. And, and the reason why, and like, because you might listen to this and be like, oh, I'm every number. Cause I felt like that too, but there's a nuance to it, right? The six, sometimes I thought I was a one. I thought I was an eight and a three and a six, right? Because sixes want to have that righteous, like I want to be right, but it comes from, you know, needing to reason the fear and you need to like see the fear, but an eight, they don't, they're not afraid. They're like, whatever, like, this is it. And come at me. They're the ones that are like going to punch you in the face and then be fine. But out of because they they can still love you but like want my way or no way yeah and they're not thinking about repercussions they're not thinking relationally what this is going to do um as a two would be because twos can also be very aggressive they also go through an eight in the pathway which we can't even get into that today um your brain will just explode but just and you know that's just the difference between like a two and an eight say because they are not thinking relationally what what this is doing constantly. They're just thinking about like, how am I going to get this done? And how am I going to get it done the way I know it should get done? Yeah. So there's- I love it. I love it too. I actually like um, male eights. I feel like I get along with like better than any other number. Male eights. What I also appreciate and love about the aid is that they don't have any of these feelings. Like they are a gut, but because they just say what they mean and what they think at all times, they don't care about the reper- um, re- repercussions. They're not think. They're not trapped in their brain like I am. Like, oh, what's gonna happen if I do blame yeah. yeah, totally, totally. It's just a, like an appreciation for them. Like, oh, I know where I stand. I know what they expect, and. And my husband will be like, are you sure you're not an eight? Because they tend to not, you know, they'll be like, hey, do you want to come with me to the grocery store to help me? And an eight will be like, no, I don't. Yeah. No, no, I want to. I don't want to. Like they don't, they won't be like, oh, I'm going to pick up my kid. No, they're just going to say no. They're going to say what they mean. Yes, (laughs) exactly. And, and counterphobic sixes, which is what Beverly is, mimic eights. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just, she has that fear and that inner committee where she's constantly like, ooh, anything that happened, you know? And, ah. So, yeah. Okay, last number, nines. Nines are the peacemakers. And um, nines, I love 
my nines because they're the most diplomatic people. They, they cringe at the thought of confrontation and dysfunction and anything that is like in disharmony. I'm laughing because my husband's a nine and it's so, I mean. They don't like that. And so, you know, they, they are incredibly great advice givers because they have this like bird's eye view of things um, that other numbers I don't think have their gut responders. So a lot of times if they have conflict, um, they will have like visceral response to conflict. Like all of my nine friends will be like, I was shaking all day. And I'm like, why? Like from that email, like, and they're just like, it felt so complicated. You know, they're just like shaking. They have like a literal physical visceral responses to confrontation a lot of times. So you, you can see that in um, unhealth. They're not like the two, although they're, the two are very mistyped. Um, but a nine doesn't exactly know in times of stress or turmoil or like someone struggling with something, they don't always feel comfortable coming along and helping. They usually retract to avoid any weird confrontation or misunderstood feelings or, or they don't want to overstep their boundaries. They just want to like remain in their comfy bubble. I always say nines are creatures of the comfort. They like their blankets and they like their routine and they like their people who they can count on. They don't really love new experiences because what kind of scenarios could that bring, you know? So they're really um, creature, what is it? Creatures of com comfort? Habit, like their habit. Yeah, creatures of habit. They they just love the um, the the expected in life. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're very thinking repressed in that way. They can like kind of get into a rut. And a lot of times, come across as lazy mm -hmm. like nines really can come across as lazy and um apathetic mm. but it's just they're like protecting themselves from having to like feel conflict or something new they just don't really thrive in those kind of scenarios but they're so calming i mean my husband is literally like he does he's they're very like they're, they're going to be the rock. They're going to be the quiet rock that no one's paying attention to, but then you're holding and on. And they don't want the attention at all, you know, and, and that they are also really great employees. Mm -hmm. As long as you're not like heaping all this new visionary stuff on them and not giving them any direction to figure it out for themselves. Do you see? So um, yes, but nine, the nines in my life are like literally the best friends when it comes to like, here's the advice because they're just so like confident in, in seeing it from all angles and then just like dropping it down and, and they do it in such a kind way. I don't know. Nines are just like the best deliverers of bad news. <laughs> I mean, I also love, I mean, my husband is fascinating and this is probably partly to do his job, but like he'll go into a party and he will not say a word, but yeah. then afterwards he will know every single conversation that happened he'll be able to like decipher it he he can and sometimes you won't be able to do it in that moment but like the next day he'll be like well I really think this person needs to do blah 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 because he was processing whatever he heard and I was like they didn't even talk to you 
but they're, they are, they're like, they're those like really intuitive, wise counsel is, is a lot of times nines in health, nines, nines in unhealth can be kind of lazy and apathetic and not as action oriented. So, you know, that can create some issues sometimes, but, but in their health operating man, you want like, just to be surrounded by a lot of nines. They're awesome. They also go on healthy six, right? So, you know, we can't talk about it on this, you know, but like they are on that six track. So sometimes my husband will be up at night being like, I'm a, and not six, like I am like catastrophic six, but like just the stress and anxiety. Yeah. Like if he's, if he here, like, you know, we had a, the snows melting on our roof. And so he's like, Oh no, what if we have to get a whole new roof? What if we have to blah, 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 you know? So he's not like keeping up on it, but he'll automatically like go to worst case. Yes. Don't- yes. Okay. Yes. The pathways of there's triangles of pathways of numbers, which we just can't even talk about, but um, yeah, a six, a six, a nine will often operate in that stress place. Yeah, when they feel stressed, like when feet are to the fire, because each number. And so now here, one of the things too, that I just want you to clarify, you know, oftentimes when we're talking about this stuff is that people are still different, right? And you can have different personalities and still. Totally. Totally. Yes. Yes. So yeah. And I think that's really important to know. Thanks for saying that, but like, cause you know, the, the, the tendency will want to be like, well, Nikki said she's the three, but I'm nothing like her. And that's the, that's the like greatness of the Enneagram is you don't have to look, it's not monolithic. It's not like, that's why it's not Myers-Briggs or another personality test where you're like, oh, they're just extroverted. You know, like, no, you can be like, I'm a very like low capacity three. I like a lot of my friends literally get like five hours of sleep or threes and they will like read and record themselves on a book because they've all written books and they're just like really high achievers like doing stuff all the time I'm like you know what I do one thing a day that's productive and the rest of the day just it's all up to me maybe I'll take a nap you know <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll Marco Polo Beverly I don't know what else the day can handle but I'm over here just chilling because I did one really productive thing and I just operate well in that Um, but my, the core of me is still like, I want to succeed and I want to be the best and I want people to admire me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So people do show up differently. So it's exactly like, it's not like, oh, I'm like that. I'm, you know, I'm not like Beverly. I don't stress about sex trafficking. (laughs) (laughs) Not many people do, but Beverly is in that category, but don't, you still might be a six if you don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, but it was, you know, it's very, you know, it can be very powerful, but it's also just powerful too. Like, you know, when you're working with your clients, because as you start listen for cues, like you don't necessarily have to be like, are you, what's your Enneagram number? Like if you, I mean, I am like, if I'm working with someone, I'll ask them because I, it's so insightful because I know how to connect. With like, are you a five? Oh, okay. Know what I'm dealing with now. But, and I do think it's important to say that too, Bev, like just not to label people. When you get into this, it's really hard not to be like, that's so six of you, Beverly. You know what I mean? Like just dismiss it all. Or I do that to my husband all the time. I'm like, 
wow, you're really like sevening out right now. But that's not helpful to like throw labels on them because ultimately what you want to do as trainers, as people who are teaching high level things, you know, you want to bring people alongside. So just kind of knowing if they don't know, you can kind of like get to know the Enneagram. So you can kind of like just have it in the back of your mind that it's different for somebody who's a three and somebody who's a five, yeah. you know, you're going to have very different struggles in that area. Absolutely. You know, and this word gets tossed around a lot. So I'll be cautious and using it, but like a six can't, and I have a seven wing. So this is, you know, you had, you know, we didn't even get to talk about wings today, but like you <laughs> might have like to, you know, I'm a six and I have that seven wing. So I'm, I tend to, you know, I, I tend to live like a seven similar ask components of a seven. However, that's toxic positivity does not do well for a six. Like when I'm working through something, you have to give me the space to work through the worst case scenarios. You can't yeah. yeah say to me like, no, no, Beverly, just be positive, be positive. And I know it sounds weird coming from me because I tend to be like a very positive thinker. I always look for the good, but I still, you, you have to let me live in the process. You have to arrive there on your own. Yeah. 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 And so Beverly was talking about the wings. So every number on either side of your number. So I'm a three. So on either side of me, there's a two and a four. And oftentimes you can lean to one of those numbers, which will also kind of change a lot of things for you. So, you know, if you're a three with a two wing, you kind of are a pretty, like your profession is probably something that really wants to help people and teach people. You don't mind being on stage and being a present, being a personality. Whereas if you're a three wing four, you're a little more withdrawn and you can relax in your feelings. I, I really go a lot to my four where I'm like, I did one really productive thing a day that doesn't define me. It doesn't make me good or bad, but I'm going to like go chill and listen and like strum my guitar and just blow the rest of the day away because I just feel like doing that, you know? So you can kind of take on characteristics of that either um, number on either side of you. So that's kind of what she's saying, but yeah. So just imagine like for Beverly, for a six, the worst thing you can do for a six, if you're teaching them, training them, trying to get them results is to pat them on the head and tell them it'll be fine. <laughs> right? Is yeah. that true? Would you say like that? You know, that's why I was like toxic positivity. When someone's just like, you need to be positive. It's like, no, like, let me process it. Let me think it through. And then yeah. I, I'm going to come to that. Yeah. Like, give me that space in the room. Like, that's why, you know, I love my husband. I mean, I love my husband for many reasons, but like he literally, most people, if I was like, you know, you know, I, when he looks over at me crying, he's going to work me through it and actually like say like, okay, well, logically this is what is going to happen as opposed to what most people would do would be like, are you that, are you crazy right now? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so I just think that's why I love this tool. It's just so amazing to like be able to identify like this isn't going to work for this person you know what I mean and like same with Beverly like if you're working with a seven who are the pot relentless not like toxic positivity I like relentless positivity is my term for it I love 
love that. That's, I love that. Relentlessly positive. So me coming at him or somebody else or a client who's a seven and being like, you know, bringing all the negative juice to them at first, that is just going to shut them down. Mm-hmm. Totally. So you have to come at a seven with a totally different energy. You have to find it in yourself, even if you're like, bro, like what? Like you got to find it in yourself to approach them with that positive note, positive note, positive note. Let's do some positive reinforcements. You know, um, let's talk about the positive things that you do. Um, and then, you know, if you need to splice in some of the less than stellar stuff, It has to be done in little chunks. Yeah, so good. And it's just such a powerful tool. Okay, we could talk for like 12 years, but I've got to get my kids. So Nikki, thank you so much for coming to teach. Where can my people find you and learn more about you? Yeah, you can go to my Instagram. Um, It's underscore Nikki, N-I-C-K-I Wilson underscore, underscore Nikki Wilson underscore. And then I have in my bio, um, my podcast, the Crazy Confidence Podcast and other ways you can find me. Okay, cool. And we'll link all that up. So thank you for hanging out with me today. You're the best six ever. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the PT Profit Podcast. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So it would be a huge service to us if you would please leave us a review and share with your friends on your social media channels. When you leave us a review, be sure to take a screenshot of it and email that screenshot to my team at info at bsimpsonfitness.com. And we'll send you a very special Instagram podcast that will show you how to create compelling content so that your ideal clients come to you and you go from wanting clients to a wait list of clients ready for your services. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.